this is Erin. And this is Jessica. And this is episode 126 of the Doublenet Podcast. Good evening. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I feel very broadcastery all okay. of a sudden. Oh. Oh. All right. Okay. <laughs> we both went on retreats. We did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We haven't recorded since I went on. No. Oh my gosh. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, Things mine was Mine was super, you know, it was the Pearly Girl Retreat. We yeah. went to Fort Warden. We sat around and knit for the weekend. It was lovely. Nothing real big different <laughs> with that. Sort of the same old, same old, sitting around enjoying yourselves. Chillaxing? Yes. As the kids say? They don't yes. say that anymore? No. I know that. <laughs> no. They don't. I, if I were to say that to the to the kids I work with, they'd all be like, <laughs> Please uh-huh, do that. God, Jessica, you're such, like, that's such a dad thing to say. Ugh. Yeah. I love yeah. a good dad joke, though. <laughs> I know. I'm the, I'm the king of the dad jokes at work. I, I got a new manager at my, at my job who's maybe more of a dad dad joke dad guy than I am and I'm like that rule is filled <laughs> bad bad puns oh my god lame jokes I follow this person me. on Instagram and I was just looking at my feed and she's going to Belize and hashtag you better Belize it and I was like <laughs> rolling on the ground you better Belize it oh my god so funny yeah. well you went to a retreat I did I also a made really bad exotic. puns okay uh, but they are not going to be funny to anybody else uh-huh. okay. um, yeah I road trip down with Monica and uh-huh. that's I hadn't done that drive in like 12 years or something uh-huh. um my family are bad car travelers. So. I was going to say mine are the worst. So. Yeah. We always fly. Uh, we road trip down and bought some fabric at Stone Mountain and had some delicious Ethiopian food with Nicole. And then oh, cool. uh, we went to their knit night and uh, saw Jenny and the rest of their friends. That oh, was cool. fun. And then drove down in the super windy pouring rain. Oh. oh my Did God. they go to the retreat also? They didn't. Oh, this year. okay. Because they went last time, right? Yeah. Um, and we just, like, hung out with everybody, and it was nice. It was really windy and rainy, and, like, I had allergies. I don't usually get them that bad, Uh but all the wind was just, like, made everything all crazy. Uh I'm gesturing around my face in a circular (laughs) motion. Made it all crazy. Made made the sinus region crazy. Yeah. Someone Uh actually left because her allergies were so bad. Oh, no. So... It was too bad, but... So not the same as sitting around sipping wine in the sun like last year? No, it was lovely <laughs> last year. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was like yeah. weather here, but slightly yeah. warmer. Um, I won some yarn, mm-hmm. and then yarn I ordered because they do a retreat colorway every oh, year. Okay. So I got that. My first Ooh. ever mini skein set. Oh my god, here, let me show it to you. I know, What do you mean your first ever mini skein set? I never set? bought a mini skein set. Well, I don't know where it you is. You had a gradient. You've had gradients. And didn't you have the yeah. pup, the, the ones from, uh, I don't know where I put it. I don't, those weren't mini skeins, though, because that was, like, 900 yards or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. They were, that was, those are some hefty mini skeins. Okay. It's like plus size mini skeins. Okay. Um, maxi skeins. Maxi skeins. There okay. you go. I don't know where I put it. All right. I just, I'm, we've been scr- spring, screen cleaning. <laughs> screen cleaning. <laughs> I've been like trying to put stuff away. I just had a f- crazy few weeks. So, yes. um, starting with the retreat, which was really fun and relaxing. Um, and then you came back from the retreat for like a minute and a half. And like then, two and a half days. And then boarded a plane back to California again. And my sister got married. Woohoo! Yay! It took forever for it to happen. Um, 
I'm not saying that because, like, it took her forever to find someone. You're so old, Bird. God. (laughs) Her fiancé is from Ethiopia. They met when she was there in the Peace Corps. It was just, like, a process and a half to get him here. Oh, yeah. So that they could get married. So, and I, um, it's called solemnizing, but I say I I married them. I didn't actually marry them. I solemnized their, um, their union. I'm a clerk. It's hilarious. I'm an atheist. And they got, like... Online ordained. ordained. Yeah. yeah. Alright. Put reverend on that freaking <laughs> piece of paper. Resume. I know. <laughs> I have a little card. It's like black with like gold writing. Oh. Universal Life Church, y'all. It was great. Cool. And the weather was beautiful because it had rained and stuff and I was a little worried because it was just that little outdoor ceremony, but it was beautiful. Oh, so good. It was good. It was all good. And then I came back to work. And Back that to was life. terrible. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's how it is. Yeah. Um, so we went to the retreats, and then the new issue of the magazine came out the first week of April. That was, like, when I was at my retreat. And I have a new sock pattern. It's their ankle socks called Voltos. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a little chevron lace um pattern on the instep and they knit up in like two seconds <laughs> so buy my magazine that's all cool um and i wanted to knit a pair of those to see how they would look in a speckled yarn because they're in a solid color or you know something that's not a solid color okay yeah i want to knit those cool. my own thing i want to knit again also those ones don't fit me they're too short no because their model had tiny no. feet yeah yeah <clears throat> There are those and tiny feet people. Yeah. It's weird. Feet. They're teeny little feet. <laughs> the, I mean, the samples knit up really fast, oh, but sure they, do, they yeah. don't fit me with my size nine foot. So, right. what have you been working on? What have I been working on? Let's see. I mean, that's it for announcements. Okay. Catch up kind of stuff. I finished weaving my scrap fingering weight scarf and realized that I should never, ever do that again <laughs> um, because... The it was just impossible to maintain the tension because I had oh. all these different fibers. So like I had like merino strands that were super stretchy. I mean, you, mean you were never gonna weave again. No, no, like, no. Wow, that's no, a not not that. Just statement. never do, never going to do like a mixed warp thing like oh. that. Um, because it, yeah. So like I, especially like on the rigid heddle, it was just it was so hard to keep the tension right. Um. And it just, you know, some things had like bamboo or tencel or nylon in them and, and some things had more stretch than others and it was just a giant pain in the butt. And then the kicker was that one, I used a nine foot warp and when I cut the thing off the loom, I ended up with like a five and a half foot scarf. Oh. I know, which is such a mingy little length. It's, it's just disappointing. Length, yeah. And I still haven't even like he'd said it or done anything with it because I cut it off and I was like, I'm mad at you and I just stuck it aside. But then um, one of my uh, sales reps at work um, was pre- is pregnant and um, I know she and her husband really like to hunt and fish. So I Weird. Need, I know. It's <laughs> their thing. People. I don't know. I, I, grew, up, exist, I grew up right? in a fishing family yeah. so I get that part. So I, I felt like I could support the fishing side of it. I'm not, I'm not intending, but, um, I made her TJ's gone fishing, which is a free Ravelry pattern. That's a little, um, goldfish pattern. 
Um, so it's just a simple little like. Is it a hat or little sweater? baby hat? Little just a little baby hat. hat. So I used um, a little bit of leftover skinny bugger in one of the green shades that I had, and I had more of the um, this little like leftover ball of yarn that Kathy gave me ages ago. That was a hazelnut. I think it was a rogue. It's like an orangey, reddish orange. Mm-hmm. Um, she gave me this like partial skein after she finished making socks, and I used some of it in my big color work cow that I had done, and then I used some of it in. Um, in a little chevron hat that I knit. Like, I keep using it in all these scrappy projects. So I was like, oh, it's the perfect goldfish color for this. So I did it. I used this hat. I still have some. It's like oh this never-ending skinny yarn. Um, so I did that. Um, I finished my Rosencrantz, which was my first two-color brioche project, project that I've ever done. Yeah. Um, that I did in two shades of Malabrigo Rios. Um, I feel like it turned out really well. It makes an amazing, like, super squishy, cushy fabric. Yeah, you're feeling a little... Like wackadoodle the last time it was, or something. So it was it was interesting because oh I think it came out great, but it was um, like the technique. The I technique. I like you know I I restarted it um, after I'd knit I don't know maybe like eight or ten rounds or something be, because it really this is the first time in a long time I was doing something that was really new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just took a little while to like get the hang of it, and it was a pretty. I wouldn't call it like your beginning two color brioche project because there's a lot of um, shaping to create the motifs in it. It's got this little floral motif and then it just goes into like a two color stripe. But it's um, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty intense and it was so it took a lot of concentration to do. Um, but I was very happy with the result and it had me like browsing other brioche stuff online. It's slow going though because you basically knit every row twice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but the effect is really beautiful and yeah, and it was the first time in a long time I had done something that was just challenging in a, like the technique itself was a challenge to me as opposed to like the challenges I have to pay attention to what I'm doing <laughs> or the challenges like not screwing it up. But, um, you know, it was, it was, so it was, that was interesting. That was good to do. And it was nice also that it was like small like achieve, you know, I decided yeah. to do some two color brioche, really massive shawl or something. I might have, um, not thought it was a good idea, but, um, no, but I thought it was really nice. Also, there were a few quirky things about the way the pattern was written. And I can't remember if I talked about this the last time, like, is this is a free pattern or a pay pattern. It's a pay pattern. Okay. So one of the reasons I started it over as well is that she describes the main color and the contrast color. And I think, and I would have preferred her to say, like, the background color and the foreground color. Mm. Because to me, the main color was the background, and then the contrast color is the foreground color. But she actually meant it the other way. Oh, okay. So I started knitting mine, and I was like, wait, why am I getting a brown hat with a green background? And then I realized, oh, she thinks of it the other way. And I totally understand how, you know, you yeah. can see that foreground color as being the main color. But... It's, there is like a bit of a judgment associated with that. So I think it would have been clearer to say background color versus foreground color, something like that. Um, it's sort of that thing too, like where every once in a while you like knit a pattern where the way they chart it is like the pattern's done in like black squares on a white grid, but the pattern is actually like light stitches on a dark background. 
and so it's just you have Actually to switch those. Yeah, before. you have to like look at the pattern and then remember, no, wait, swap it. So it was a bit of that for me. So I just I switched it to get the effect that I wanted. Um, and then I knit Groovalous, which is a, a sweet gigantic, name. gigantic chevroni. Um, it's kind of a feather and vanish pattern um, that makes a pretty like sharp chevron pattern. Super long um, asymmetrical triangle shawl um, that's done in worsted weight. So I did it in um, Oddballs of Wool Classica, oh. my Desert Island yarn. It is um, more than five skeins worth of Wool Classica. It's mm-hmm. immense. It's so warm. I love it. Um, it's like, it was just whatever things were sort of in this bag of stuff that I bought off of dinner at the retreat this fall. So it's a bunch of like greens and tan and blacky brownie shades. Um, it's very scrappy, but the the pattern lends itself really well to that. Um I finally finished my circle mitts. I took those. Oh, geez. I know. I took the, I had so little left to do. I took them to the retreat with me and was like, you've got to finish this, finish it. So I did. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I knit a flora hat, which is something that's been on my to knit list since like pretty much since Ravelry, Ravelry was created. Um, I think like one of my first years at TNA, I met the designer, um, Margot Huffnagel. Um, and it's just a simple, it's a freebie on Ravelry. It's a colorwork pattern with like sort of a, a leafy motif, as okay. the name suggests. Um, it's part of my, my friend's little colorwork um, monthly knit along. So I finished that one up. Um, I started an, a free hat pattern called Avalanche, which is just a little baby hat that has a little slip stitch pattern on it, um, just to use up a an odd like a little leftover skein of yarn mm-hmm. and I started it and I set it aside and I keep finding it and I'm like, Oh, right. But it's one of those, it's like, I probably have like another hour and a half of knitting to do on it, but I actually have to like w- look at the pattern while I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's just been sitting there. But then in the meantime, I started, I knitted a couple of plain hats in there too. Like I did something that was sort of somewhere between an Xing X's and a, like I started it like it was an Xing X's and then I realized I didn't have enough yarn to knit a whole hat. So then I started doing helix stripes on it. So uh-huh. it's sort of a, a blend of my two go-to brainless <laughs> patterns. And I did a couple of plain hats too, and I'm knitting a helix right now, but, um, I started find your fade. Like oh, yeah. I finally drank the Kool-Aid on that one because when it first came out, like, uh, I don't want to be like too mean about it, but I looked at the pattern. And I thought, Oh, that's so pretty. And then I looked at the projects Mm -hmm. and some of them were really pretty where people had found yarns that did the fade nicely. Mm -hmm. Some people didn't. Um, and I, you know, I love a scrappy stripy project, but the goal of this pattern isn't to have it be scrappy and stripy. It's kind of like you want to like an ombre effect. Yeah. Ish. So there were a lot of ones that kind of jumped out at me early on of like, Oh, that's not very cute. Um, just kind of blocky, clunky ones. And then, um, and also that it was a pattern that called for 1500 yards of fingering weight yarn. And I was like, no, that's just too much. Forget it. It is a lot of fingering weight. So, but then I knit Groovalous and I'm like, I love it. It's humongous. And I suddenly I'm like, I love gigantic shawls. I'm like, ah, crap. 
<laughs> I mean, remember that thing where like little teeny tiny chalette kerchiefs were a thing, and now we've gone like completely I opposite. But I, though, I've been in, I admit, I knit a million of those. Yeah, but I don't wear them because they're a pain in the butt. They like they don't they're stay on. Ones. They're teeny yeah. teeny ones. They're too little. I don't. If it's like four hundred yards or less, I'm like, I'm not knitting you. Like you're you're not gonna stay on. You're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be wrestling with you all the time. And then I don't have like my yarn buying habits developed before I realized that really tiny shawls were a pain in the butt. So then that's where the whole stripey shawl thing became like, yeah, yeah. I can knit a big shawl. And just, so this is just a you know, it's as but and the other thing too, the reason that it finally like clicked for me was that I was like, I can use so many scraps for this because at first I was like, Oh, well I need like this and this and this. And then I thought, no, no, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Um, although I've started it and I started mixing the colors and doing things and I'm realizing I'm going to have to diverge from the pattern rather excessively. So it's more like a pattern idea that I'm actually following mm-hmm. the pattern. And for some reason that gives me a pause. So I, haven't really like thrown myself wholeheartedly into it. I picked out, I don't even know how many, like nine or 10 little skeins of yarn that I like the way they look together and I think will work well. Um, but I haven't really Hmm. like gotten super fired up about it. Um, also, yeah, I'm still at the part where like, like I don't know. I mean, the lace pattern is super simple, but I still just don't like know it yet because I, I'm very slow picking up pattern repeats. Like I need to knit it a couple times before I'm like, okay, I got it. Like Groovelous, the first two feet of that project, mm. I was like looking at the pattern, looking, looking at the pattern, looking at the pattern. And then, you know, once it clicked for me, I'm like, why did I need to look at the pattern? This it's so easy. <laughs> but for some reason, I just, I, I don't pick that up really quickly. That's just me. Anyway, but then right now I'm just knitting a little helix with some old hand spun from my friend Kate. Um... Well, that's it. What are you doing? Oh I gosh. love these socks. Thank you. These are well, I'll talk about these first then. Um, this is Bumble Birch that oh, I bought at Knit Fit um, I think so two pretty. years ago. And it's called Wednesday and it's on her Heartwood, which I think Heartwood base, which is her uh, wool nylon base, so which I love cute. knitting with. And this isn't available in her, sh- in her shop right now, but I'm... When I posted on Instagram, she said that she was going to do some more. But she had, like, I think she had, Sarah, did you have, like, a day of the week series? Because I remember Friday, you had one called Friday that I think had, like, purple in it and gray. And then she, so she had a bunch that were, like, kind of gray with different colors thrown in. So this is a really soft pale gray, Mm -hmm. like, kind of a warm pale gray. Like a minty? With a minty green, which is totally my... I love it. My jam. And then what's the pattern? Uh, Honey Badger Socks by Irish Curly Knits. So, um, I have, I finished the first one, um, yesterday. I don't know what, today's Thursday, right? Yeah, yesterday. (laughs) I just finished the cuff and I'm starting the leg on the second one. So, yeah, I just, I really like the space yarn. It feels really nice, but it feels, it's like springy, but also sturdy feeling. Mm -hmm. Um... It's nice and round. Look at that. I love it. It's I love really it. Nice. Um, thank you. And I'm happy to finally knit with it because it's been in my stash for a couple of years. Oh, okay. I mean, there's other stuff in there that's older, but. <laughs> <laughs> let's be real. Yeah, let's be real. Um, oh, okay. What else? 
I'm working on my Sophie cardigan. It's right there. Oh, yeah. I was going to dang, dang, like, three times over, I swear. Because the first thing I was trying... So, last time I was talking about how I didn't like where that seam, shoulder seam was. So, uh-huh. I was going to change it. So, the first thing I tried didn't work. So, I decided to go with, like, this kind of normal top-down construction that I'm used to where you do... Like, each shoulder in the back, and you cast on across, you put it on a holder, then you knit the front down, and then each front, and then you join it at the underarms, and you knit the rest of the body down. Which is fine, except I kept messing up the cable pattern. So, like, messed up the cable pattern in the back and had to rip it almost all the way out. And then I messed up the cable pattern on one front and had to rip that out. And it's just been... A hot mess. But now <laughs> it's all good. Um, I'm getting pretty close to being able to start the ribbing, I think. I have to count my rows and see what I had calculated for the length that I wanted. Um, and then I'm going to knit the sleeves top down. So it's getting close. Nearly I good. feel like I've been knitting it for a long time. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems... Yeah, you've been posting about having... Or, like, you posted about having problems. It seems like you've been having more problems with it than you... Yeah. Normally, with it. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. All right. I mean, I'm I'm sticking with it because I really like it, and I really like the yarn, which is Jorstad Creek, uh-huh. her DK, um, which is a super wash that's super tweedy, and Sophie's Red, which is like a nice, rich red. So, that, and then, um, I'm also working on Camp Wilkerson by Caitlin Hunter, which is a big arrow-shaped shawl so it's like straight along the edges but it comes to a point on one end and it's like oh right right like yeah you know an inverted point on the other side i'm not sure how to say that (laughs) 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 my words and my brain are not connecting well anyway it's four colors of dk weight yarn is it four is it three i have it's three no blue gray Yellow and red. It's four. Okay. So I bought yarn for it at Knit Fit in this last November, like with this pattern in mind, and then I took it to my retreat and cast it on. Let me see. Over here. Yeah, let me get. It's in this bag. Oh, I was going to say it's not that. No. What's this thing? Oh, here it is. So I'm a good chunk into it. I just started the. the red section. Oh, look, I'm even partway through a row. Oh. So it's, um... It's very nautical with your navy stripes. Yeah. So I'm using, and this red section has eyelet, like an eyelet pattern in it. Okay. So I'm using, I'm using Hazelnut's DK in Collegiate, which is like a blue-black kind of navy. Hoppy Blonde, which is a hoppy yellow. Reflection, which is gray. And then Poppy, which is like a super saturated. Orange, you red. Bright red. Yeah. I like it. Um, So I'm in the red section, which is like the middle in the length. It's like the middle section. Um, And it's funny because Kristen, who is uh, at the retreat, is basically knitting. She's knitting the same pattern and basically the same colors. I think she's (laughs) using a sport weight yarn, but like independently of each other, we chose her colors and stuff. And then we were both knitting on it. And hers are just, like, a little more muted version of mine, huh. which is hilarious. Hi, Kristen. So that's it. Oh, I couldn't see how you would have, because the original is done with, like, a navy and a kind of golden yeah. yellow there. 
But the original is knit in like a different, see, it's Little Flock Yarn Splendid DK, which is alpaca, merino, and silk. Mm-hmm. And it's a single. Which I was like, oh, that's kind of a crazy thing to have in a single. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So yeah. that's the red section. Yeah. So I'm, big where am I? There. I'm right here. Yeah. In the big red section. Cool. So, that's that. I am excited. I'm trying to get the Sophie sweater done because it's been on my needles for a lot longer. Um, and it's starting to get warmer. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. I would like to wear it before I have to just put it away. We'll see if that happens. When the weather's going, I don't think you have to worry about that for a little while still. Know. We're not there yet. Yeah, it was um, cold but sunny today. So. Um, and I finished a few things. Aww. I finished a pair of socks that I'm called, I said, get luck, get lucky socks. Ah, yes. I saw those on your mm-hmm. Instagram. And I, those are plain vanilla socks with contrast cuff heels and toes. And I used, I think Dale of Norway, baby ol for oh. the white. Yeah. Cause I had it in my stash. And then Nicole, uh, Hugh Loco, her name is Nicole, Hugh Loco and the color Lucky Charm, which is a speckle. It's like I'm. Kind of a minty green yeah, with purple. Minty green and kick, huh? I am kinda. Yeah. That's what's <laughs> talking to me. Um and I finished those on the way down to the retreat because Monica did like all the driving uh, pretty okay. much. Um so just I got so much knitting done. And then uh, I stopped at Stash in Corvallis to oh, see right. Sonia and yeah. see the store. I'd never been there. Hi Sonia. Oh, hi Sonia. And I bought a skein of Despondent Dye Works. Oh, right. And the color is, he picked up some bad habits in prison. (laughs) I'll show it to you. Cute. It's like a golden yellow with a turquoise in it. Oh. So I finished those Get Lucky socks and I cast these on the next day. bought this and knitted it up. I finished everything but the toe by the time I got back. Yeah, it's nice. I like how it so kind of straight. It's got minty green in it. Yeah. I think it's more turquoise. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. I think it's more turquoise. Okay. Parts of it are green. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Um, so I just, like, improvised the sock. It has a little lace panel on it. Cute. It's pretty cute. Um, but, yeah, I just wound it. I think I wound it in the car because I finished the toe of the first one. And I was like, I'm just going to start another pair of socks. So I did. And I finished them. Um, when I got home, I finished the second, the toe on the second one. So cool. two pairs of socks. Woohoo. I know. Your sock drawer must be full now. Oh my gosh, it is. Your box of socks. Yeah. I have six you more. You have to get a this bigger box. This is number six. The, <laughs> the Irish girly knits ones. The... Bumble birch ones are number six for the year, but I'm taking uh-huh. a break. Well, no, I have to pick his birthday sock yarn. Oh, but. yeah. But the big thing I finished that I'm so proud of yeah. is my sister's wedding shawl. Yay! I knit Coleridge by uh, our friend Elizabeth Doherty. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Um, of Blue Bee Studios, and it's a rectangular wrap, and I knit the large size in Hazel Knits Artisan Sock. And lipstick 1984 mm-hmm. after having a phone consultation with my sister. <laughs> and I knit it uh, in like two weeks, I want to say. Maybe a little less. And, and I finished it the night. beads for baubles? Yes. I used uh, size six Japanese seed beads. They're um, 
like a yellowy gold color with a metallic lining, so it really caught the light. Because uh-huh. she really wanted, she's wearing a black dress with just like a sheath with a V-neck, like knee length, you know, very classic kind of black dress. And she really wanted bright flowers, like bright spring flowers, and mm-hmm. something really bright to wear. Um, and her mm-hmm. glasses actually have kind of that color on the <laughs> back of the frames with kind of a crazy other thing on the front. <laughs> so um, it looked really great. Yeah, I was super excited that I finished it in time. Oh, that's cool. I finished it the Tuesday before I left with Monica to drive down to California, and I had it out blocking while I was gone. So I just had to weave in the ends. Um, Artisan socks a little bit beefier than other sock yarns, I think. So it turned out like 18, was it 18? Maybe it was 20 by 76 or something. It's a pretty hefty shawl Mm -hmm. or wrap. Um, And she was, so happy with it and she said I'm going to wear this all the time which is great and she's an editor too so she really appreciates it Um, and my mom kept asking me about it I think she's a little bit jealous that I made one I was like it's her (laughs) wedding day dude so just tell your mom she needs to get married and Mm -hmm. then one for her and it took um, I think the yardage and the pattern is like right around 800, but I got three skeins and I use like two, two and a third of the skeins just because it's like a bigger sock here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was the big, the big happy right there. Cool. Yes, let's talk about books. Books. Um, okay, <clears throat> so I continue to be the disappointment of my book group. <laughs> this one, we just had book club on Tuesday. Our book was Boy Snowbird. By Helen Oyegami. And I and didn't, didn't finish it, it in time. I didn't finish it in time. <laughs> I'm reading it. I just didn't finish it. I somehow, I I frequently get Tuesdays off from work so that like, I only had, I don't know, like a hundred pages to go, but I then ended up with like a crazy work schedule, um, and doctor's appointments and a bunch of stuff on Monday and Tuesday. And like I worked all weekend and then I worked Monday, Tuesday, anyway. Didn't get it done in time, but we still had a really good discussion around it. I mean, I'd read enough of it to to see where it was going. And you weren't the sullen kid in the back of the classroom? No, no I was definitely not. Um, yeah, no, but we had a very interesting discussion around it. There's there's a lot to unpack in there. It's um, The author is... Uh, I don't know if she's of Nigerian descent or was born in Nigeria, but she's lives in England. Um, but the book's set in America in like the fifties, sixties. Um, but it's this very kind of otherworldly fairy tale, fairy tale ish. Mm -hmm. So there's a, it's the snow of it is sort of a snow, snow, snow white. The main character is, is a girl named boy. So that's Mm -hmm. the boy of it. Um, yeah, I don't really want to give much away. It's very, it's unusual. It's like a, and it's, which is just totally the thing that I love is like reading along. Is it a fantasy? It's not quite. I'd say it maybe has sort of some magical realist elements okay. to it. It's just kind of, um. Gina was trying to talk to me about it. I was like, I have no idea what the title of this book is or oh, what yeah. you're saying to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, 
Yeah, definitely wouldn't put it in the fantasy bucket, but I'd say it's magical realism, maybe. Um, <laughs> I which... just screwed up my sock pad. Oh, sorry. Moving back. That's okay. Sorry. I just wanted to say that aloud because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, it was, it was really interesting. I, I mean, I, it's, it's just a little off kilter in a way that's very engaging because you're like, Oh, I, I mean, even when you, when things are going to happen that, you know, like are coming, it's still interesting and a little weird and a little surprising, but, um, yeah, I, I did really like it. It's, uh, it's hard to discuss it without giving some things away, but there's definitely a lot of fairy tale elements to it. Um, but, uh, just a, it's a neat book. So. And I'm going to finish it. haven't started the next book yet, but I need to pick it up at the library because it's waiting for me. The next book is going to be um, The Buried Giant by um, Ishiguro. Oh. So. um, I haven't read that one. Yeah, I haven't. I don't think I've read any Ishiguro. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to, to dig into that too, which I guess apparently is also a little bit of the kind of fairy story Aspect to it, yeah, because of the title, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that's it for me. Um, cool, you know, as I've always, a slacker. Of, yeah, I've been doing a ton of reading, of course, you so. have. <laughs> yep, someone's got to read books, it's not gonna be me, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I read Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston, uh-huh. which I absolutely loved, yes. that was so good. So, it takes place in the south in the 40s, I believe, late 30s through the 40s. It spans a deal of uh, kind of this woman's whole life up to when she's, I think, in her like late 40s. Um, so she grows up with her grandmother in a house and they live in like a cabin in the backyard of this white family's estate. Um, and she doesn't know that she's black because, like, all her playfellows are, like, the white kids that live in the house. Um, and then she realizes after a picture is taken that she's black and she's like, oh, what does this mean? So it's kind of, like, where it starts as far as there's, that's a flashback part because it actually starts when she's, like, some people are gossiping about her in the town that she lives in now. And then it starts in her childhood and goes on from there. Um, but she like her grandmother kind of forces her to marry this upstanding guy that she doesn't have any feelings for at all. And then she runs away with another man. And then it's about basically about this guy, tea cake and her, who she gets married to him, even though she's still technically married to the other guy and kind of their relationship and her standing up for herself and, um, yeah, it was really good. It was really good. I really liked it. The only other book I'd read by Zora Neale Hurston was Tell My Horse, which is her travelogue oh, about right. researching voodoo, yeah. which is like totally up my alley. And I read that for a class, but I really liked it. So it was fun to read some fiction mm-hmm. from her. Um, I re- recommend it. Mm. And then I read The Penelope Ad by Margaret Atwood, which is... Super good. And it is 
basically the telling of the Odyssey from Penelope's point of view. Uh-huh. And Margaret Atwood's kind of... A badass. Hu- yeah. <laughs> She's badass. Um, and her humorous... It's in her style. Um, if you read Atwood before, you'll kind of know that yeah. she... Um, definitely feminist slant. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's Penelope. She's telling her story, but she knows she's dead. Oh. So she's telling some of it from her being dead and looking back on things, and then her running into these all these people she knew and like not really wanting to talk to them. But once you see them, you have to talk to them because you're all dead and you're all stuck there forever. <laughs> and then she's also talks about um um like modern times, like being able to kind of spy on people and uh, see. And so she has commentary about modern life, but it's like maybe 150 pages. Huh. It's a tiny little book. Um, and it's part of a series where, uh, modern writers were asked to rewrite older stories. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure what the other books in the series are, but huh. I really, really liked the Penelope ad. Cool. Highly recommend it. And it's super quick. Um, it alternates between Penelope's story and then the 12, was it the 12 maidens, I think? And they're kind of um, semi-comedic interludes between Penelope t- telling her story. But they have to do with Penelope's story as well. Um, and she has a lot of... <laughs> Shit to talk about Helen of Troy because <laughs> they're cousins. So I really liked that. Um, and I read The Burning World by Isaac Marion, which is a follow up to Warm Bodies. Oh. So Isaac Marion's a local author who wrote Warm Bodies, which was made into a movie, which is Zombie Apocalypse. Love Story. Love Story, where the love of the two people, the zombie and the girl, bring zombies back to life start the process of them becoming human again. So this is the follow-up. There's going to be a, a last book. Um, but I liked it. It's It was my vacation reading because um, it's much longer than Warm Bodies was, mm-hmm. which was a pretty slim book. That's my thing is, like, if I choose slim books, I'm more likely to finish them <laughs> before I have to return them to the library. Yeah. Um, but it was good. I liked it. It's much more action-packed, um, and it moves fairly quickly. Um, if you like zombie apocalypse type stuff, you'll probably like it. Okay. Um, you know, scrappy survivors and kind of the aftermath of, um, like, what happens after the process starts of the zombies coming, coming back alive and becoming more human. Um which is difficult. And there's some creepy corporate world stuff in there. Oh. Yeah. And I'm currently reading The Language of Flowers by Vanessa Diffenbach. A-U-G-H? Baha. Mm-hmm. Um, which I really like. I'm actually really close to finishing it. Uh, it's about a girl named Victoria who grew up in... Well, it takes place in the San Francisco Bay Area. So, I like that about it, because I'm like, oh, I recognize these places. Um, but it's about a girl who grew up in the foster care group home system, so she's lived in, like, 30-something homes, uh-huh. um, and she's, in the beginning of the book, she is emancipated 
from that uh, system. She's homeless for a short time, but she's she's really insular, and she really doesn't like people. She doesn't like being touched. Um, and there's nothing like creepy with that. I was just like growing up. Mm-hmm. It's not because of trauma. It's just from growing up in the system. Um, <clears throat> and she really loves flowers. And she knows the language of flowers, like the in Victorian times, all flowers have a language, and she knows that, and so she gets a job at a florist, and it kind of goes from there, and it alternates between her current life working the with the the florist, and um, kind of learning how to live in not the system, mm-hmm. and her. Year, year, two years living with this this woman Elizabeth, who owned a vineyard, who was going to adopt her, and things kind of fell apart. Mm. Um, but how she learned about the language of flowers and how she knows all this this stuff about um, flowers and plants and stuff. So it's really interesting. There's a love story, but it's much more about Victoria, kind of navigating. Her, her little world of of flowers and the difficulties of being a child of the system. So I really like it. It's a little bit tough to read uh-huh. just because, you know, of how she, she grew up. But there's nothing, like, really horribly traumatizing about it. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, icky stuff that happens. Yeah. But it's... Uh, I think it's going in a good place because <laughs> <laughs> she's had some self-realization moments. Uh, recently about, um, about kind of making amends to people and like telling, telling them how she feels, which she's never done before. So, you know, yeah, it's good. I like it. And I'm surprised I like it because the cover is like a super floral blah, blah, blah. And it's like a <laughs> language of flowers gotten this like weird book exchange thing I did. Oh, right. Yeah. So, uh, I wasn't sure I like it, but I do. It's good. Cool. Enjoy the rating. So, alrighty. So, I have a really long watch list, but um, and this isn't even everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna go through this really quickly with a few things to talk a little bit more about. Um, season two of Love came out. It's a Judd Apatow produced show that's on Netflix. Um, I watched. I like legitimately binged season one where I watched it on a day off, like just start mm-hmm. to finish. It's a, I'd say it's a romantic comedy that is not romantic at all, um, in season one at least. So it's kind of interesting. Like season one, I really enjoyed it because it wasn't what I was expecting. So it's, you know, boy meets girl, but nothing happens the way you think it's going to happen. And then season two, I feel like was a little more, maybe a little more predictable, but you now know the characters a lot better and you can kind of enjoy what's going on with them a bit more, but it's kind of some pretty misfit characters there, but funny and super awkward, uncomfortable sorts of ways. So, um, you know, maybe, you know, for someone who thinks the, like something like girls is funny would enjoy it. But if you think like the awkward, like from the awkward side of it, maybe not the entitled white part of it, but anyway, (laughs) Also finished watching Girls. Girls is over now, and I've watched it, and I still really like it, even though I hate every single person in it. Um, 
I watched the PBS miniseries on Victoria oh, and I seen it yet. thought it was so funny because it, just like um, The Crown about Queen Elizabeth II, focuses like half on her relationship with her first prime minister and half on just how hard it is for her husband to have her be the queen. Oh, boo. And it's like, ooh, male fragility on steroids. It's just like... Boo-hoo. Yeah, cry me a river, Albert. Get over it. Um, <laughs> really, like... I mean, Philip is so much of a whiner in, in The Crown. It's terrible. And apparently the next season is going to focus even more on Philip being a whiner. Uh, I don't think that's what they're calling it. I don't know. <laughs> Philip the whiner. I don't know. Because, you know why? Because they're written and directed by men. Ugh. I know. <laughs> Sorry, men. Sorry. <laughs> Not if I just, men, I just, but if. Like, I feel like there's just always... women telling women's stories and maybe they can tell the story. I mean, you have here you have two women who are, I mean, like Victoria is arguably like the most powerful woman not arguing. At the time, she was the most powerful woman in the world. Yeah. I mean, the British Empire was vast under her rule. She was the queen. She worked it, girl. And instead, <laughs> we're going to focus on, like, sniveling Albert. Like, forget it. No patience. No patience for men like that. <sighs> I just feel like when men direct things like that, they very often focus on the wrong part of the story. Right. Yes. Oh, the, the poor, men. The poor man in her life. <laughs> yeah. oh, it must be hard. So hard oh. to be really rich and, like, have whatever you want. Yeah. Blech. But be second <laughs> fiddle. Like, oh, how hard it is for a man to not be the one who's the most important person in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So another series that I watched is it just started on Netflix... Under, and it had a name change. Okay. Because it's a story about a guy. It's called Love Sick Now. It's a British series. It's about a guy who finds out he has chlamydia, so he has to call everyone he's had a sexual oh relationship with to let them know. But what they do, it's like... Was it called um, Crap Trap before? No. It was called Scrotal Recall. <laughs> <laughs> like... Probably the worst name of a television I show. I love it. In the history no, of the world. No, I love it. I love the it The worst so much. name. But it's actually really cute because what they do is like each episode is like a chapter of like, you know, like of one woman that he had a relationship with and you kind of, the timeline jumps all around because you jump to like, where was he at this point in his life? Um, when he met this woman and da, da, da. And then you jump over here and you jump, jump, jump. And then you've got his kind of coterie of friends um, where you're also catching them at weird random moments. And like, you're, you're learning about everybody all, all out of order. So, um, scrotory. I know. So bad. <laughs> so bad. Really so, guys. So bad. But, anyway, but it's a cute show. I mean, it's not like groundbreaking, but it's cute. Um, just going to mention RuPaul's Drag Race has started again. Um, you know, I love that. Um, a TV show that's a current show. I think the first season has ended that I have been enjoying an inordinate amount is Son of Zorn, which is, it's a Fox comedy. Oh, okay. I think it's Jason Sudeikis who does the voice. So what it is, it's like, um, it's a combination of like, um, live, uh, of, um, like animated and live action. Um, and Zorn is like this He-Man character from Zephyria who like moves to LA to be with his son who he had with a previous relationship with, um, what's the actress's name? Christine Hines. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
it's just the silliest goddamn show ever. It's so funny. It's just so ridiculous. Um, and it's, it's like the perfect, like if you've just had a crap day and you want something that is not going to challenge you intellectually at all, but make you laugh really hard, it's totally the show. It's, it's just ridiculously silly and, and I've enjoyed, and I've enjoyed it enough that I like stayed up to date on it and watched it. Wow. Like, you know, so I, I really like that. Um, to completely changed um, tone, I also watched, um, finally on HBO, The Normal Heart, which is um, uh, the film that they made based on Larry Kramer's play. Um, you watched How to Survive a Plague, right? How to what? The, How to Survive a Plague, the documentary about like um, the beginning of the AIDS crisis and the founding oh, yeah. of ACT UP. So Larry Kramer is one of the people that's interviewed really heavily during that because he's one of the people who survived it. Um, so this is sort of his semi-fictionalized story of himself during that period oh, okay. and the relationship that he was in. Um, so it was very interesting because, I mean, How to Survive a Plague is a great documentary about the beginning of the AIDS crisis. And this is a really great drama. And it really, it just takes place in like 83 and 84. So you really don't get to the point where, where there's any like action by the government. Like the story ends before you really have the government acknowledging that AIDS is a thing that is happening before you have any steps toward treatments, any like really good research on it. So it's the very early state days of it. Um, when it really was, uh, and it's just filtered through the gay community in New York in this, in this story. Um, so again, it's like, it covers a lot of the same terrain that how to survive a plague does, but on a very personal level. So, um, if you want to watch something where you're going to like cry your eyes out, this is a good one. Um, really well done. Mark Ruffalo stars in it. Um, I like him. and, uh, it's a great cast. It's just, a um, Alfred Molina plays his brother and, um, yeah, it's really well done. Um, you know, not like fun stuff or easy stuff, but really good. Um, and then I watched Home Fires, which is, a, uh, was a PBS series. I guess it's based on a book series. It's about the women's institute in a small town, um, in England during World War II or like in the run up to the war and then moving in to the period during the war. So it's kind of soap opery and about like all the lives of the women as, um, the men sort of have, are going off to war, what they're going to do contribute to the war effort and the toll that it takes on the women who are at home. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's, I'd say it's good. It's not great. It's certainly not, um, original territory. Um, and, and further, not very original territory. I'm watching this series Shetland right now on, mm-hmm. Netflix, which is a murder mystery series that's set in Shetland. So everyone has a great accent and there's lots of murder, um, <laughs> lots of great murder. accents, murder, murder. No, oh, I can't do it. I can't. Sorry. Um, great accents, great scenery, little bits of knitwear here and there. Um, but otherwise, so like to- completely standard by the book, like somebody dies, they investigate, secrets are uncovered, but it's, 
it's in this really small community, so I feel like it's going to run into the same problem I run into with a lot of these British murder series, which is like, how is there anyone left alive in this in this town? Yeah, you know, you've got this like tiny little town, and everyone's getting murdered constantly. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know how that works. And then finally, not something that I watched, but something that I listened to that I thought of you so much while I was listening really? to it. S Town. Oh, I listened to it. Did you? Yes, I did. Yes, because it's That's kind good. of a... That was our road trip listening. Oh, part okay. Of it. It's yeah. kind of Shirley Jackson-esque. Yeah. So, um, that S is crazy, yo. Yeah. Um, if you haven't heard about this yet, I feel mm-hmm. like everyone was talking about this nonstop about a month ago. Yeah. It's um, by the producers of This American Life and Serial, and it's basically a man from a small town in... Um, uh, oh my god, I'm totally blanking out. Yeah, me too. In, uh, where was he? In rural Mississippi, right? No. Yes? I don't remember. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. It my was brain like, is it was like three weeks empty. ago. Anyway, this guy keeps calling and leaving these very interesting messages saying that he wants someone to come and investigate a murder that happened where the... Alabama. Alabama, right? I knew the minute I said Mississippi, I was totally wrong. Okay, sorry about that, Southerners. Don't mean to mix up your states. It's in a small town, Alabama. Um, But so he uh, he keeps calling and calling and leaving these kind of outlandish messages about how um, someone in his town was murdered and the police covered it up and they were bribed and blah, 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 and someone should really come and investigate but so a reporter starts calling him and talking to him and recording their conversations, and it's obvious right away that um, he's this a, hell, is a hell of a smart guy. Yes, a very you know a character, a very interesting character, very intriguing. So um, the reporter he sort of forges a relationship with a reporter who eventually ends up going down there and investigating the story. But you know, as as is always the case with this sort of this American Life type reporting. There's a twist. There's a twist because <laughs> the thing that ends up being the most engaging, the most interesting part of the story is not what they set out to find out about, yes. but what they discover along the way. And um, and mostly what they discover along the way is this incredibly interesting person um, who had been calling them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and but I thought of you because he, um, at, before the reporter goes down, he gives him a reading list of like what he needs to read before <laughs> he comes. And one of them is, is like the lottery, I think, or some yeah. other Shirley Jackson. Oh my God. And he's Everyone built this like, and he's built this maze and he has the sundial and I'm mm-hmm. like more Shirley Jackson. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh. I thought about that when we were listening it's to it. It's definitely very like contemporary Southern Gothic in terms of just what happens in this story. Yeah. But it's. So fascinating. I was completely hooked. I stayed up way too late several nights in a row for work. Um, trying, like, listen, where I was, like, kind of one more episoding myself. I think it's only, what, like, eight episodes? I think so. Um, but so worth a listen um, if you're just interested in people and fascinating people that maybe you've never... There's seven episodes. Seven, excuse I me. I just looked at that. Yeah, it's not very long. Um, but... But really great. I thought it was really, yeah, really well done. And every, it's, every episode there's something where you're like, <gasps> what? What? Yeah. Yeah. Where you just keep learning more and more. And, yeah, it's just, it's, I, you know, I just always think it's one of those things. It's like small town drama, but it's also like really big. The people are really big. Like everyone yeah. seems like bigger. Larger than life characters. Yes. Yes. 
It's, it's really, really interesting to listen to. Don't listen to it if you're depressed, though. Yeah, it's not. It's not happy There's some stuff. Sa- some sad things that happen. Yeah. So. Definitely. But, yeah, I recommend it, too. I really yeah. liked it. If you're depressed, I recommend Son of Zorn. <laughs> or Scrotal Recall. <laughs> I actually really like that name, but I can see how it would not test well with, like, viewing. They released it under that name. Yeah. And I was like, and I kept seeing it was well-reviewed, and I was like, the hell I'm watching that show. <laughs> you know what I'm talking like, about? Sausage Party last Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is even worse. Um, you're talking ah. about the AIDS documentary, and I yes. just wanted to say that our listener, Ed, hi, Ed, who's yeah. uh, V Plane on Instagram, and I think on Ravelry, too, is doing Ride for Life, and oh, he's trying cool. to raise money. So I'll give you the link for his oh, donate thing, and we'll put it in the show notes. Great. If you guys could donate anything, that'd be totally awesome. Yes. So, because it costs a lot of money to do the Ride for Life thing. And yes. he can use all the help he can get. Cool. Yes. All right. Sorry, I was talking to him. What have you been watching? That's okay. Um, oh, wait. I, I forgot to say also the Lego Batman in the theater. It was really cute. That's it. Are you Your done turn. now? I am. <laughs> Uh, I saw a movie in the movie theater. Uh, I took Audrey and her friend to see Beauty and the Beast. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, I think I enjoyed it more than Audrey did, but I think that's because <laughs> I the cartoon came out when I was... Like, the animated version came out when I was in middle school, I want to say. And it was, like, the big thing, right? Uh-huh. So my mom bought it on VHS, and me and my sister watched it all the time. Um, and it was, like, really big with... Because it had computer graphics in the yeah. ballroom scene, and yeah. it was, like, a really big thing at the time. Now it's yes. just freaking everywhere. Who yes. cares? Um, I like parts of it better than others. Mm. What's-her-face? Emma. Watson. Yeah. was fine. The costumes were amazing. <laughs> they were really good. And I, you know how I love good costumes. Costume. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really good. And I really liked all the sets were really fun. Um, there were goats and sheep and chickens in the village, and I really liked that. <laughs> um, the guy who played Gaston was great, and LeFou. Josh Gad, right? Yeah. Uh, and LeFou. They oh, like, oh, oh, Josh Gad's LeFou, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I um, forget who's Gaston. Gaston was great. Um, yeah. I thought it was good. Um, I enjoyed it. The girls enjoyed it. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, they had extra songs in there. Yeah. Which I was like, what is this crap? Because I'm just used to the animated <laughs> version. Um, Emma Thompson's Mrs. Potts. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Which I w- didn't recognize her. I recognized her voice, but not, not who it was. And I was yeah. like, so when they become human at the end, I was like, oh, it's Emma Thompson. <laughs> Yay. Um, and who, who else is it? There are a bunch of people in it. Oh. Uh, Ewan McGregor's Lumiere? Is that right? Let's see. I think so. Okay. And I forget. Dan Stevens' Beast. Yeah. Um, I forget who Cogsworth was, but I thought it was cute. Okay. I liked it better than Cinderella, but Cinderella is one of my least favorite fairy tales. Yeah. Kind of, so, um, I'm interested to see what their next choice is to convert to live action. Don't know. Yeah. So I saw that. I rewatched The Hunger last weekend because right. it was right there on the library shelf, and I was like, "How can I pass this up?" David uh, Bowie Vampire. Yeah, it's a movie from the '80s. 
If you don't know, who doesn't? I guess there are people who don't know this. People who don't know. Because it's on the library shelf and it should never be there. Because you just watch <laughs> it all the time. Uh, it's Catherine Deneuve, and, who's like the lady vampire. And then David Bowie is her lover in the beginning. And Susan Sarandon so comes in. And music by Bauhaus. So it's like super goth-tastic 80s style. And there's like <laughs> punk rockers in the very beginning. Everyone has these amazing, crazy sunglasses and frames. And I was like, I like her glasses. I like her glasses. I like his glasses. And I was like, you just like everyone's glasses. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, yeah. It's just... It's fun to watch. I think the first time I saw it, I've seen it a bunch of times, but I always forget kind of how amazing it is. Yeah. Um, like, it's just, it's a really interesting kind of vampire thing. And I re- feel like after watching it um, and seeing, was that American Horror Story Hotel with Lady Gaga, uh-huh. that they took a lot of the Catherine Deneuve character oh. was kind of in the Lady Gaga version because her a lot of that stuff was kind of Hollywood glamour slash 80s feeling to me um I was like oh she must love that movie The Hunger I can see her channeling this (laughs) Catherine Deneuve kind of thing for her American Horror Story character so that was interesting um I'm watching two different crime shows One is called Killing Fields. It's on Hulu. And it's about a cold case from the 90s. And it's in... I'm sorry, Southerners. I'm so sorry. I'm just totally blanking. It might be Alabama. (laughs) But no, it's in Louisiana. What is our block? I don't know. I don't know what day it is or where I am or what Um, state it is. Um, No. I've been having a major issue with what day it is, actually. (laughs) Um... It's in the Everglades, because they either. Don't they go into Louisiana, I guess too? I do, too. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm just throwing out states. I don't know. <laughs> We're horrible states people. States swamps. Florida. Louisiana. So this woman was... This young woman was murdered, and the original cop who was the main detective on our... Homicide detective on our case retired years later, and the show is about him coming out of retirement and them trying... Because it's the case that haunts him and him trying to solve it. So it's like, you know, new forensic, scientific forensic capabilities and like all that Ah, stuff. So um, I think I'm in the third episode. It's a little bit hokey at times because, you know, they they tend to have cliffhangers where things aren't really cliffhangers and... um, Focus. That's just the cat. Yeah. Um, like rehash things with really tense music, and I feel like they kind of took like there's definitely a true crime fad happening right now. Yeah. They kind of took that, and then the feeling of True Detective, like the first season where it was uh-huh. really really good, not the one you shouldn't watch, which is season two. Don't watch it. Um, <laughs> they tried to mash kind of make that feeling. Um, There's, like, a lot of still shots and, like, slow motion, like, swings and, like, that kind of crap, which is just filler, in my opinion. <laughs> but it's okay. I mean, yeah. high production value for a true crime show. Uh-huh. Um, 
Although some of the accents are super thick and hard for me to understand. <laughs> I'm sorry, Southerners. I'm, I will like, admit I'm watching Shetland with the subtitles yeah. on. Well, that's like that Red Riding uh, yeah. trilogy that I watched. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one I wa- I had to watch some of those episodes with the subtitles yeah. on, too. Like all of them. <laughs> yeah. Some of those real, Super thick real northern accents are a little hard to parse. Yeah. Um, the other show I'm watching, which is also on Hulu, I think it's they're probably both Discovery shows, um, is A Crime Excuse to Remember. Me. Uh-huh. And it takes old cases. So far, they've been late forties to early sixties, and it does a recon- like kind of reconstruction thing. But the way it's done is super cool. Um, usually, it's someone who says, "Oh, you'll never like." Someone tells about it from a perspective of like they were there or they were a friend of someone uh-huh. who was involved. So there's kind of a narration aspect. Um, they have period costumes and sets and stuff. And a lot of them are like murders and things that I'd never heard of. Like, um, the Colorado in Colorado, there was a plane that ex- it was like the first like plane explosion that mm-hmm. happened in the U S that prompted, um, a law laws to be passed saying that blowing up a plane was, Against the law. Because <laughs> that never happened oh, before. Oh, like and it was a murder. Blown up a plane. Blown ah. up a plane. It was a murder. Like, they thought this woman was trying to commit suicide by blowing up the airplane so that she could leave money to her children. But it ended up, like, the son had actually made a bomb and put it in his mom's suitcase because he was trying to get all the money. It's just this crazy thing. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it's stuff like that. And like, I had never heard of that before. Huh. You used to be able to buy flight insurance from a vending machine. <laughs> Can you believe that? It costs like six quarters and you'd fill it out and you'd put it in a box because flying was so new. Commercial air travel yeah. was so new. So all these airports had insurance vending machines. You just fill it out, put it in the <laughs> box and then like off you went. It's crazy. <laughs> Fun facts. Did you know that you can buy insurance for a vending machine? I don't machine? think I did know Yeah. That. So cool. Noah was saying he thought he remembered that from when he was a kid. And I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember it if I was on the yeah. scene. So interesting. Anyway, I really like it and I think it's well done. And I usually don't like crime recreation type stuff. So, um... I watched Into the Forest, not the musical. <laughs> That's Into the Woods. Into the Woods, not that. <laughs> um, it's based on a book by Jean Hegland that I read years ago about, it's kind of a near post, it's not post-apocalyptic, near apocalyptic um, time. These girls live in Northern California with their dad out in the middle of nowhere and like everything in the outside world goes crazy and they're stuck in this house in Northern California, like way out in the middle of nowhere with dwindling resources and how they survive basically. And it's got Ellen Page and, um, Oh, what's her name? (laughs) We are really doing well on the, the recall Um, here tonight. Evan Rachel Wood in it. Ah, yeah. So they're the two sisters and the dad, I can't remember what the dad's name is. 
but they're the but they're the two main characters. I think really like Ellen Page. Yeah. I think she's really great. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's kind of a bummer because you know things don't work out. I mean, you know, as a whole, it has a hopeful <laughs> ending, but for the rest of the world. Who are not able to just, like, go into the woods and, like, survive yeah. off the land. It's a total bummer. Yes. And oh, this is a bummer, too. Sorry, guys. Uh, oh, 13 Reasons Why? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I can't watch that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know anything about what it was about when I started watching it, and I got sucked in. I think it's very good. Um, but I have issues with it. I see good things about it, and I see bad things about it. Basically, it's about a girl who commits suicide. She leaves behind these cassette tapes, and they're supposed to be passed around in a certain order to different people. And then the last person is supposed to, like, figure out what to do with that. I'm not sure. I didn't read the book, so I don't know what, like, the final instructions were compared to, like, the show. Yeah. But basically, it's about... One of the people who receives the tapes and he is listening to them and like working out all his grief and anger and all that stuff surrounding it. But it, uh, very trigger heavy because there's sexual, sexual, there's rape. I don't want to call it sexual assault because I feel like that's like, like a, not really saying what it is. There's rape in it. Um, like, the last three episodes in particular are, like, really yeah. difficult to watch. Um, and to take a break. Yeah. And not watch them all in a row. Because <laughs> it was really depressing. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it really captured high school relationships really well. And not just romantic relationships, but... Um, kind of the hierarchy and power and adults' attitudes toward young adults who are in high school and all that stuff. I thought it did that really well. The thing that bugged me the most was it's ostensibly about the girl and her story, but it's all filtered through this guy, and it just kind of made it kind of icky for me. Like that, I had a hard time with that. Um, but overall it's good. I'd say also don't watch it if you're at all depressed. Watch that as or <laughs> watch that as <laughs> Or if you have any kind of like if you're what somebody who gets really depressed and down by watching traumatic events happen to other people. Because I yeah. Children. Yeah. I to children, yes. Yes. And it's not just the children, it's also the parents of the girl. Wow. And, like, the main kids, Clay, his parents. I thought he did it, I think everyone did a pretty amazing job acting, uh, which is probably kind of why I found it so depressing. Because yeah. um, it could have been done badly. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I haven't read the book, so I don't know what to compare it to. I'm sure there are, like, tons and tons of discussions going on in the, on the internet about it, but, um, that's my two cents. It's very good, but very, very, very sad. 
very sad. And on that note... I'm going to watch some Son of Zorn now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, that's it, right? That's it. Okay. Yeah, people at the retreat said we should record a lot more. I know. It's like, we should. We we were scheduled to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's just... it. Yeah. Life. Life, man. Mm-hmm. It's a bummer sometimes. Well, I work a regular schedule, but your schedule changes My schedule is crazy. Week. Yes. And then I was just... Well, this month I was... Like out of town, like two weekends in a row yeah. for kind of long periods of time. But you know, props to you for not getting massively ill when you got home, because usually that's what you do. You go yes. away, and then you come back, and then you get really sick. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't do that this time. So no, I think. Well, I had the crazy allergies when oh, I was yeah. in California, yeah. but I took a Benadryl for the first time in my entire life, and I was like, "How do people even function?" <laughs> oh, oh, it doesn't make you super sleepy. Yeah, I had to take it. Well, I was. Planning on taking a nap in the afternoon, but I just could not keep my eyes yeah. open. So for all of you cereal allergy sufferers, I'm so sorry. It totally sucks. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Excuse me. I'm a little yawny now. Yeah. All right. So show notes will be at doublenet.net and you can join us on our Ravelry group, which is Doublenet Podcast Fans. And you should donate to Ed's Ride for Life thing. Yeah. We'll put that link in the show notes. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Until then, have a good day. Good knitting. I don't Good know. whatever. Good whatever. Yeah. yeah. Watch Son of Zorn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I was wrong